we're going to move on to post-operative care. And uh, in the next eight minutes or so, let's talk about post-operative care. And what I'd like to do is have you give your three biggest tips, each of you. So take a second here. I'm going to put Justin on the spot first. Justin, what are your three biggest tips to optometrists managing post-operative glaucoma? You get to pick what the surgery was, but what do you want to make sure that they're doing? Uh, number one, educate on the front end that with any MIGS procedure, there can be some hyphema. So patient's vision can be cloudy right after. Patients like know that before, not after. Um, two, just leave them on their glaucoma medications for about a month and get through that kind of first month with steroid spikes, those types of things. And then educate patients that it could take up to three months before we really know what their true pressure is going to be. Great. That was concise. Lori. I would say my number one pearl is post-operative precautions. I am extremely extremely strict with this even for stents and it saved me a lot of heartache so the first 24 hours after a stenting or a cutting migs i think is really crucial that the pressure doesn't drop so i counsel patients that first night to even sleep upright don't do any bending at all even getting out of a recliner things like that you need to be really careful and i think it's really reduced hyphema rates for me to to really be strict with them at that that first 24 hours and then at the one day appointment if they were looking good i typically kind of move them back to more cataract type precautions okay so uh, that was one but i'm going to push back on you i don't do anything. no no i'm I, just like i'm a, like life's for living go live your life you know maybe you know don't jump out of an airplane or do cartwheels the first day after surgery, but, um, but, but it's and, and, 24 hours and there's no hyphemas afterwards. But so I, I like, you know, okay, good, 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 good. Keep going. Push back. So for me personally, I hate dealing with hyphemas after mix. And so yeah, I'd much rather, yeah, so to be I, fair, it's, it's, even more. especially these patients who are signing up for a premium lens, they're expecting a rapid visual recovery. If they can invest that first night, first 24 hours for me to just take it easy, and I hate sleeping upright, everybody does. But that personally for me has resulted in a lot of a reduction in hyphema. I feel like I rarely see hyphema, even with my goniotomies. And it's only 24 hours. It's not like the full week. You know, obviously, I don't want them going to the gym and doing 200 pound deadlifts like you do every day, John, but you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Great. So there's number one. Uh, real quick before we get to your two and three, Justin and Mike, do you guys take that precaution or, or is this another example of Lori being a better doctor than us and caring more, you know, and thinking through the problem better? I don't yeah, follow no. those. I just say, take it easy, but do your thing. Yeah. So yes, and so no, you would disagree, and yes, she's better. Okay. Yes. Uh, number <laughs> number two. This is I hate this. I was hoping you would avoid asking me two and three because I actually stop pressure meds after after surgery as well. So I do the opposite, and I I know we should all be united on this, but I think it's what? a pretty controversial thing in in glaucoma care. Again, it all goes back to hyphemas for me. If their nerve is not sick enough, or if their nerve is healthy, let me not do a double negative. If their nerve is healthy enough to tolerate a pressure spike, 
I'd much rather them spike up a little bit at their one week appointment where we're going to be seeing them or somebody will be seeing them anyways, um, than deal with a high FEMA. And so I feel like if you let that pressure run a little bit higher, their their reflux for high FEMA and what that causes high FEMAs is, is less likely. So I go the opposite. I stop pressure meds. I um, If they're high and I can avoid adding back a med, I just start their steroid taper a little faster. Um, and then I wait as long as I can to put them back on meds. It just works better in my brain this way rather than tapering them off, off later. And I'm actually in the minority on this. Yeah. Do you stop blood thinners for mix? Uh, if it's an over-the-counter, like not doctor-prescribed aspirin or, or um, uh, vitamin, I, I do. I tell them to go off of it. Why not hedger, like make it as safe as possible? What about doctor-prescribed warfarin? Uh, what is the new one called? Zarelto. Uh, yeah. You know, that, do you stop those? Uh, I try to. If I really, really want to do like a cutting mix on them, like a goniotomy, uh, I will try to stop them. If they cannot come off of their blood thinners at all, I will still consider doing a 180 goniotomy, but like a 360 goniotomy, no way. Got it. Justin, Mike? I don't stop blood thinners for any MIGs, but Lori, I do the same as you. I have them stop their glaucoma drops and start their, you know, new journey without, uh, without any drops and add back on as need. True. Even if they are on two or three, Mike, when you're doing an early MIGs treatment, you stop everything and then just yeah. add back as needed. Yeah, yep. Okay. Uh, Justin, do you, uh, stop blood thinners? No, no. And I, you know, hyphemas to me just don't worry me that much, only probably because I see them often enough, but I, I get it. I mean, I, I just tell patients it's going to be there for a week and after a week, it's going to go away. Um, I just try to keep things as simple as possible. That's why I don't drop meds either until about a month. Um, you know, again, I, there's no cookbook recipe on any of this stuff, right? And we think about MIGs and post-operative care, it's still in its infancy. It's only been around for 10 years. And, and so it's fun having these conversations because you, you learn something new every time. You know, one of the phrases that I love is that there's those that follow the standard of care and there's those that set the standard of care. And we try to be a practice that helps set the standard of care. And so, you know, I think that what would convince all of us and toward your point, Justin, is we don't know. We don't know if elevating the head at night is better or not. We don't know if stopping uh, blood thinners is better or not. We don't know the consequence on the other side of those things. And I do think that these Things are here with us and here with us to stay. So if we can create a patient-centric post-operative regimen that has some evidence behind us, I think that we can all make uh, better decisions. Uh, Lori, number three. Uh, number three, Pearl. I don't really. I mean, those are my main post-op pearls for FACO mix. I think. Okay, what about FACO not mix or or not mix glaucoma surgery? Um, okay, so for blebs, blood-based surgeries, I would say that managing the ocular surface ahead of time is your best way for success there. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Uh, I don't think any of us will disagree with you on that one. Uh, Mike? That's why I picked it. <laughs> I am so conflict-averse. I'm like sweating. Are we done yet? <laughs> you, you, uh, you sliced and diced us all up pretty, pretty effectively, Lori, so good job. Mike? What's your three? Yeah, going last is hardest because uh, everybody's taking. I'll, I'll I'll pull up the anchor for you and I'll give my top three. Thank you. Uh, I hope I take the three that you're thinking of. Um, <laughs> uh, 
don't don't be scared of pressures going up and down in the post-op period all the way up to a month because like Justin said, it takes three months. So just ride that wave, adjust meds as you need to based on severity of glaucoma. Uh, continue to follow these patients. They still have glaucoma, even if they're off drops and their pressure is perfect, you still need to follow them again based on their severity uh, with your testing. And I do like a three-month kind of reset you know, that's a great time to reset with your OCTs, visual fields. Um, and then, uh, and then continue to do gonioscopy. You know, if we've had MIGS surgery, uh, you still got to check and make sure that the angle is looking good. Anybody disagree with anything Mike had to say? That's no. probably cause we use too vanilla. Um, so, okay. So about, are you talking about this or my answers? <laughs> Well, I just was wondering, was your screen, do you have some sort of pale filter on your camera? I wish I, wish I could say that, but I don't. I think uh, Mike looks glowing today. I think he yeah, looks Mike, great. You, Mike, you look great. Thanks, um, okay, so here's my three. Number one, call. Just call us. We're all on the same team here, buddy. And so if there's a question that you have, we don't want you to be anxious at night. We don't want the patient to be anxious at night. And of course, we all want the best outcome. So don't hesitate to call any one of us that were involved in the care um, to make a decision. Number two, blood-based surgery. Um, there is a window where we can rescue blebs that can go away as that bleb starts to scar down. And so be looking for lowering of that bleb, vascularization of that bleb, redness, eye pressure going up, and call or send or send a picture. Because we just did this big glaucoma surgery on these patients and we really wanna give that surgery every ability to survive. And then last is a little bit of a variation on what Mike said. We as humans aren't great at preventing vision loss. You know, primary care doctors don't get gift baskets from their patients because they put them on a blood pressure med and save their life because they don't know that it did. And we don't get baskets from our patients for putting them on an IOP lowering med. We get baskets for taking out their cataract or doing their cornea transplant because we made their life better. And my point here is that a lot of these are combined with cataract surgery and patients see better maybe than they ever had in their whole life. And their tendency may be that they always went to the eye doctor just because they needed a new pair of glasses. And that might've gone away. So to reemphasize what Mike said, Glaucoma patients need to be followed for a lifetime, and we need to make sure that they're seeing you and us when we're necessary uh, to give them the best care possible. And those would be my three, uh, three biggest tips for post-operative care. Anybody want to push back on those? Nada. All right, let's give uh, one last thought around the table to everybody. Um, I'll, I'll go first. And that is, um, we do, we need to intervene in glaucoma when we need to let us go even more broad. 
the right question to ask yourself is what would you want if it was your eye? That takes into account everything. Our job as doctors is to keep patients living their best life possible and their best life possible is not in the doctor's office. So our job is to keep them out there living their life as best as they possibly can. Mike? Um, same, same vein, you know, opportunity for cataract plus MIGS surgery and people that are good candidates for refractive cataract and, and MIGS to, you know, give them independence of glasses if that's something they desire and independence of drops uh, can really make a difference in quality of life. Lori? I think, I think treating glaucoma is sort of turned into, it takes a village. So uh, what I've learned is it's often the referring doc, it's the, the surgeon, it's the family member, it's the patient, sometimes it's their caregiver. So it takes a whole bunch of people to take care of one person's disease. Um, and so I try and keep all that in mind, especially when it comes to involving the family and decisions. Um, I try and always think of what the patient's like outside the office. Like you said, John, I think... Um, how is my treatment going to impact them when they're not in here? Uh, and thankfully, we have all sorts of treatment options now that are a lot less invasive and a lot more patient-friendly and better for quality of life. So it's a little more fun than it used to be to take care of glaucoma because we can actually make things better instead of just trying to slow down things from getting worse. Justin, bring us home. Yeah, I'll go to the diagnostic piece. IOP matters, but don't let it dictate everything you do. Think of glaucoma like a large puzzle. You have a lot of pieces that you can use to decide on, on your treatment options. And think about the quality of life of these patients when you choose uh, those, those treatment options. All right, everybody, this is fun. It's great hanging out with you guys. Uh, to the listeners, if you want more, uh, we've got more. Schedule a personalized mini fellowship with us. And what that is, is a half day where you come or even a full day, you can get some COPE credits for it. Immerse yourself in hands-on learning, gain insights from all of us. It'll be intense because you'll see all of the patients that we see in that day and the decisions that we have to, that we have to and get to make and take, uh, take the next step towards elevating your own game. And so with that, remember the world of eye care is ever evolving and so are we. And so until next time, on behalf of Lori, Justin, Mike, and me, uh, thanks for being with us. And uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on our website to uh, keep you updated on whatever the newest things are. Thanks again and have a great day. Love you guys.